This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Visit bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 63rd ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? <laughs> I'm good. I, I, oh, excuse me. I'm great. Oh, Cameron, how are you? I'm, I'm a little tired. Uh, I woke up this morning in savannah georgia wow still trying to figure out how i got there but i'm here now for the podcast you're still here from the georgia game (laughs) no i'm so over the georgia game i figured out though like as i was going to georgia for a work thing i could have i flew into charlotte and if i really wanted to be adventurous i could have figured out some way to plan on going to the georgia game and then (laughs) <laughs> I I was thinking in my head watch the Panthers play, but they actually played in Green Bay, so that wouldn't have worked out very well. Did you just did you just like figure that out? Like as you were telling the story, yes, that, that as I was work? as I was speaking so, just now, I so you realized didn't give that, that much thought to it. Correct. Okay. Yeah, because I was in flight um, after the Georgia game was gotcha. over, so I was like, oh, I could have maybe done that. But Probably wouldn't have been much. a great game to go to. No. No, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, Before we do any of that, we do have a few news items. Uh, First things first, Jordan Wilmore, the seven foot three high school basketball player that uh, committed to Mizzou a little while back, officially signed his letter of intent. So he will be heading to Columbia. And then on the football side, uh, one guy's name is Jalen Carlys. Carlisle, I think he's, he's the wide receiver. Yeah, and I think he actually is a wide receiver in high school. Was going to play defensive back at Mizzou. Gotcha. At least that's the plan. Uh, he's one of two new commits for Mizzou football. The other one from the same school. Uh, can you give me his name? Uh, Tyler Jones. Much a little easier, easier. for you. <laughs> <laughs> Should have written that one down. Um, first, with basketball and Jordan Wilmore, we talked about him when he committed. But uh, there was actually a little Twitter video that I saw circulating about two and a half minutes of him playing, um, and he looked pretty good. It looked like he had has decent hands, um, was dunking everything, which you, you like to see when you're able to do that. You, As a player, you should be doing that all the time, and sometimes underdeveloped guys kind of shy away from just dunking the ball anytime they can, mm-hmm. so it was good to see he was not doing that. Um, but uh, can you tell me anything about these football commits? <clears throat> uh, not a whole lot, honestly, but they're both, like you said, from the same school, West Orange High School. That's in the Orlando, Florida area. Uh, Tyler Jones plays safety, and from his film, it looks like he really likes to hit people and had some really nice interceptions. I think he's probably the lower ranked of the two, even though they both looked pretty similar to me on film. Um, so he looked like definitely a ball hawk, a hard hitter. Uh, Jalen mm-hmm. Carly's whatever Jalen C Jalen C he looked like uh, 
a lot of big play potential. Pretty much every single play was him taking it all the way to the house. So that's, I guess, can't get much better than that. Can't get much better than a touchdown. You can get a lot worse than touchdowns. Mm-hmm, yeah. You can do zero a lot, touchdowns. A lot more options on yeah. that. Uh, before we talk about no touchdowns, let's talk about basketball. Um, Missouri played two basketball games since the last time we talked. They won a game against Northern Kentucky, but lost to Xavier. Um, the Northern Kentucky win was a good one. They won 71-56 to at home. Uh, Mark Smith kind of woke up for that game. He was pretty quiet in their opening win over Incarnate Word. So he had 19 points on just 10 shots, made four three-pointers. He also had six rebounds. Uh, Tillman had a good night, 13 points, really efficient, made his free throws, and also Mitchell Smith had a huge bounce-back game. He was uh, nowhere to be seen in their first game, and in this one he had 10 points, 7 rebounds, 0 turnovers in 16 minutes of action. Uh, it was a good night for your 3-on-3 three three team. <laughs> justifying my, uh, my inclusion of him in the Smith trifecta. I wish we had put the poll out after this game. <laughs> if you had, if you had knew nothing about Mizzou basketball and you just watched this game, you'd probably be like, "That's the greatest three-on-three team of all time." You probably think Mitchell <laughs> Smith was like this really fantastic piece, yeah, like super tall, draining threes, right, flying all over the place, getting rebounds. Yeah, he did look. He did look really good. I mean, if we could get that Mitchell Smith consistently, yeah. But I just don't think that will ever happen. No. Um. Any any big takeaways from the Northern Kentucky game for you? Um. Nothing groundbreaking. I mean, it was good to see Mark Smith make a comeback, like you talked about a little bit. Um, I think uh, one thing I, I have liked to see um, in the first three games so far is that kind of different guys have, and I guess it might be a blessing and a curse, but different guys have kind of come out and had good nights. Um, obviously, Drew Smith carried the team against Xavier, at least for a good portion of the game, and um, he really was pretty quiet in the first two games because he just didn't really have to take over, you know. Um, but yeah, Mark Smith, uh, was incredibly efficient, um, proved why the analytics like him. Um, it just has a beautiful shot and everything was going in for him. So it was good to, uh, to see him doing that. Yeah. And it was really good to just see them take care of business. Um, Northern Kentucky is, was undersized, but they were a scrappy team that just, I don't know. It's the kind of team that you just kind of hate to play. They were really aggressive and active on defense and, um, forced some turnovers early, but Missouri kind of settled in and used their size to their advantage. And Northern Kentucky, uh, we talked about we talked about them having several different guards that they could go to, but they their front court depth is just non-existent. So they're not that big to start out with. And when you're only playing like six guys, meaningful minutes, you're just gonna run out of steam. And if you're playing a decent team, and that's exactly what happened. So I was just happy to see this kind of tough, feisty team be taken care of, you know, exactly how you would expect. They held them under 60 points, which I think is going to be kind of a marker for a successful defensive effort that even if, the like we'll see in the Xavier game, even if the offense is struggling, uh, when this Missouri team can hold uh, their opponent under 60 points, it's going to allow a bad offensive night to just kind of it can exist and they could still be in line for a win so 
Moving on to Xavier. This was one we were really looking forward to. Um, and I think it lived up to the hype. Uh, offense was pretty much non-existent for both teams because this was a 63-58 to loss in overtime. It was 51 all at the end of regulation. Yeah. That's insane. That's... There, that's some good that's some good defense but that's bad offense i was gonna say there was some fantastic defense being played on both sides of the ball definitely uh also both teams could not shoot to save their life and i'm pretty sure xavier I, you might have the numbers in front of you i don't know but how many threes did xavier make like two three 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 for 21 that's 14.3 percent yeah and missouri wasn't all that better six of 25 24 percent yeah um, you know, I'd like to think that Missouri is playing fantastic defense and great perimeter defense, and, and I think that it probably they disrupted Xavier, I'm sure. Um, but I don't know, man. It, Missouri just can't. And, and to your point earlier, that Missouri definitely can have bad offensive nights and still be in line to win absolutely all season long. But I don't think they can beat very many teams playing as poor on offensively as they did the other night because nobody's going to shoot as badly as Xavier did I don't think yeah and they went on a run Missouri went on a run it was like 16 to 4 run uh to start the second half I believe that should have been 30 to 4 that should have been they should have scored twice as many points during that stretch and I think that's going to be something to look at in games going forward when Missouri is holding a team scoreless for four five six consecutive minutes are they able to really take advantage of it offensively? And I think what we saw last year and what we've already seen now in this game and probably what we can expect to see in the future is them not taking advantage of those opportunities like they should. And when the defense is locking down, they're forcing bad shots and a team is just going on a ter- in a terrible rut, Missouri has to be able to capitalize on that. Yeah. And you could say, well, 16-4, to four, but... <laughs> That that was not the run it should have been. Right. Yeah, there were, there were a few things that were really alarming to me in this game, and, and one of those things was, uh, one, how badly Javon Pickett played. And I, are you worried about Pickett? I'm nodding yes. You're nodding yes. I mean, what? it was really I, – I don't even know. Like, he was so not himself. He, he traveled literally, I think, four or five times. He I don't think he scored a point. He – I don't know. I think he traveled at a pretty pivotal point in the game late and maybe stepped even out of overtime. bounds on a catch. Yeah. Uh, at the three point line. I, I literally on this podcast last week was like singing his praises, saying he could end up, and this obviously will probably could still happen, but uh, I was saying he could end up being one of my favorite Tigers of all time because I just love everything about his game. And then he came out and had the worst game of his career right after I said that. Yeah. He had four turnovers. Um, on the season so far, he's one of five from three and four of nine from two. So an offensive rating of 83, which is pretty terrible. Yeah. And what's most alarming, um, those four turnovers, it's a really small sample size. He had zero turnovers in each of the, of the first two games. So we can probably count on this being and uh, an anomaly mm-hmm. and he's not going to be coughing the ball up like this moving forward but yeah just basically non-existent until he made a mistake yeah his ball handling looked really really bad yeah. and he he just looked super very hesitant not to shoot, confident shot the ball twice yeah in that game yeah and 
I think in Torrance, 23 minutes. Torrance Watson didn't blow me away in this game either. Uh, he almost kind of looks like he has a similar issue, just still the confidence is not there if he's not just spot-up shooting. Yeah. And um, they're, they're both still young guys, and yeah. there is probably – I mean, this you would kind of expect a little bit of a, um, I don't know, just you're coming back to reality. A regression to the mean. W- when you have an off season where you're not playing in games, and then it's like, okay, now we're playing Division One basketball again. Right. You know, it's going to take a little bit of an adjustment, even for a sophomore, I think. Um, but yeah, and they're playing a top twenty-five team on the road. I mean, it was a yeah. tough environment, and uh, but definitely looked like they kind of took a step back from the at least potential step forward they had taken at the beginning of the game at the beginning of the year um yeah and just turnovers in general were really really bad the the beginning of the game was awful it was like i was blinding my eyes with how many missed shots and turnovers there were on every possession we were just giving away points yeah they were lucky to be as close as they were at halftime it's crazy um yeah and then of course another big thing that that alarms me is tillman um same old story anytime we you know and we, we talked about it in the preview. Anytime that Tillman's going up against an accomplished, you know, big man who can score, he just kind of gets embarrassed sometimes, and that's kind of what happened in this game. You know, when he was in there, he played fine. I think the offense was better when he was in there, but the fouls were awful, and his first two fouls were both clearly mistakes by him, and I think he got called for a really bad one later in the game. Yeah, I would say, yeah, two of his fouls were really uh, not smart decision making and then the other two were questionable at best but you gotta just you can live with one you know big mistake foul when you when you know that those other fouls are going to come you're going to get one or two of those head scratchers called on him every game you basically have to count on that yeah then you that leaves you room for one bad play and then one let's say good foul mm-hmm. you can't have two bad fouls like that i almost just like start to like automatically cringe when he comes out for like the set the screen on the high post because i just feel like he does that so often where he like moves into the defender and i don't know i think the commentators were kind of talking about how it might be a little bit of drew smith's fault for how he came around the screen but it was just very obvious to me that tillman like a very, it just made a blatantly illegal move and, yeah. and moved, you know, when setting a screen, and you just can't do that. And I feel like he's done it so much to where I start to expect it, the officials expect it, and I don't know, you just got to be better than that. And I don't know, I, we've talked about this many times. I don't, I don't know what to do about it, but he's got to stay on the floor. Last negative point, and then we can talk about how great it was that they were in this game and I forced have, overtime. I do have positives. So Mark Smith. Had a great game against Northern Kentucky. Then in this game, nine points on 11 shots. That's incredibly inefficient. And uh, he didn't, he, he only had three rebounds, which usually you can count on him for six or seven uh, or even more. Um, he didn't turn the ball over, which was a good thing. But just when nothing's happening on offense, I don't know, one of these other guards, and we'll talk about the two guards that actually did something in this game but i don't know he was sorely missed and just a little bit of offense from him yeah he would have won this game for missouri right and he just didn't shoot well from three and even when he drove the ball in it seemed like he just got like rejected at the rim every time well, he only shot two two pointers yeah i'm pretty sure he 
yeah. got blocked on both of them, yeah, or at least one of them. Two of nine from three. So not a recipe for success there. Yeah. However, that was a lot of negativity, but that's what happens when Missouri plays with you and takes a lead late and really should win a game and then doesn't. Yeah, I think you texted me like they just had to take the lead yeah. there, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, if they, you know, if it had just gone how it was going and they lose by five to eight and they were just down by five to eight the whole time, you'd be like, oh, well. A lot less painful. Yep, we knew that was going to happen anyway. So um, the second half, they made some things work on offense. Um, not enough. I mean, the I would say the beginning of the – I guess if you break it up into quarters, the third quarter of this game, first 10 minutes of the second half, they looked really good. They scored 20 points. Drew Smith started taking over. Uh, Xavier Pinson had some really good plays. And those two guards looked like they were going to kind of will Missouri to a win. And, and Tillman was able to stay on the floor for a while, and things started looking good. Um I was incredibly impressed with Drew Smith, though. Yeah. He still wasn't super efficient, but 22 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists. Yeah, this is one of the games where Drew Smith impacted the game big time and was very visible. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like a lot of times we talk about how he'll probably make an, Im- make an impact without, you know, scoring a lot of points or showing up, you know, a lot in big plays. But this was very much where he, he scored, like like you said, like 22 points and um, I, I loved watching him play with Penson. I I think, I mean, even down the stretch, Penson was like, like one of the ball in his hands, yeah. and yeah. I thought that was so interesting to see. And he really, like, scored in clutch moments. Yeah, he made up for that miss dunk with a, just a play where he just blew by his guy at the three point line. If you watch the, yeah. there's many uh, replays of that on social media right now. There, it's a really good shot of him. You can tell that's what he's thinking. And he's kind of like directing traffic a little bit. And then he sees a spot and he just is immediately at the rim dunking the ball. And there's really not a lot of guys who can just blow by their defender like that and just get a bucket that make it look that easy when it's not an easy play. Yeah. How about Drew Smith's uh, uh, pull up from the uh, Xavier logo? Like Steph Curry esque. (laughs) Uh, unfortunately that was a symptom of some bad offense and I think that's familiar to any Mizzou fan except we're used to seeing Jordan Geist in that spot where he just kind of ends up with the ball at the top of the key with five seconds left on the shot clock and has to do something Mm -hmm. and saw that way too much Um, I don't know I feel like the offense obviously can only improve from a game like this and we are going to talk about two games where they have a really good opportunity to um, put this game behind them and maybe score some points before uh, some tougher games come up. But anything else about this uh, Xavier game that really stands out to you? Uh, I, I think we covered pretty well. I mean, Trey Jackson had some nice moments, had a nice three. Kobe Brown didn't play very well, but I think that's just typical of a freshman playing is really his first tough college basketball game. I think it's expected. He really didn't play much in the second half, and I'm assuming that's probably just because he wasn't playing well. Uh, I'm not going to get too bent out of shape about it. Um, you know, it's, it's disappointing that we took the lead with, you know, we were up by three with a minute to go, but, you know, a minute is a really long time in, yeah. in a basketball game, and 
a lot can happen. And of course, Xavier just happened to knock down one of their three threes all night, you know, in yeah. the clutchest moment of the game. And I had a kind of a bad feeling that once it went to overtime, it might go that way. But um, I think that there's a lot of, uh, there was, I don't know. I think I, I told myself that I would be satisfied with Mizzou being in this game and having a chance to win. And that was obviously very much the case. So um, it's, it's easy to, to, you know, look at this as a painful loss because it, it is, but I think that if you would have told me, you know, a week ago that they're going to lose in overtime, I'd, I'd probably be satisfied with that. Yeah. Yeah. Really the, if, if the result is the same and both teams just have a little bit more life on offense, I think I would feel a little bit better about this game. Mm-hmm. Um, Missouri made Xavier look like they are a really good defensive team when that's really not their strength. And they also made it look like Xavier has no offense when they legitimately have a good offense. So, and I think it is interesting that after this loss, Missouri uh, jumped up a few spots in their Kimpom rating and notably their defensive efficiency rating is now 10th in the country. So, and I think over the next two games I don't see any reason why that'll drop very much Um, maybe they'll be in that 10 to 15 range for quite a while I would say so next week Missouri is back at home against Wofford and Moorhead State Wofford uh, last year they went last year was basically the best well I'm kind of young so I don't want to be too overzealous here but i'm pretty sure it was one of the best seasons they've ever had in the history of their program Mm -hmm. uh they won 30 games they were a seven seed in in the ncaa tournament and they were 18th in kempom at the end of the season i can almost guarantee you they have not been analytically that good of a team ever before no definitely not however they did lose um, an excellent player in fletcher mcgee and they lost their coach mike young to virginia tech so this is a very different team this year. Uh, like I said, they went from 18th in Ken Palm to now at this point, even with pre, uh, previous season stuff still factoring in a little bit, they're ranked 121. So quite a big drop off there. Um, and this year they are led by two guards, Nathan Hoover and Storm Murphy. Uh, they're two and one so far with wins over Division Two Erskine and Ken Palm, number 326, High Point. They lost to number 207, William & Mary. So on offense, they're the 63rd ranked team. On defense, 241st. So really, we're looking at an opportunity for Missouri's offense to bounce back and hopefully get back on track. And we looked at this Wofford game, you know, a top 150 opponent, um, but... I feel like their season is not going to go that great. They're in a pretty terrible conference. This is a home game for Missouri. I don't think this is as much of a measuring stick or um, resume builder as maybe we had hoped it would be. Yeah, I don't think Wofford is... Hopefully this is not a close game. I think I could actually see a scenario where it's closer than we are comfortable with because I think they shoot the ball really well. And, I mean, 121 is not a horrible Ken Palm rating. I think offensively they're still pretty good. 
Um, defense of 241. That's yeah, the defense terrible. is terrible, yeah. So that, but that's my concern is, is Missouri has shown that they, even against bad defense, they don't always have good offense. So, you know, I could see a scenario where Missouri still doesn't shoot the ball well, and, and this is a decently close game. I hope they come out and just put all doubt aside and, and shoot really well, but uh, we'll see. I think Missouri's going to shoot a lot of three-pointers in this one. They should, um, probably should. They should. Uh, yeah, Wofford, Wofford luckily doesn't force turnovers um, so far this year, even against bad teams, uh, and they give up a very high three-point shooting percentage. Um, I don't know. I need I to see Mark Smith shoot about seven threes in this game at well, least. Well, he shot nine against Xavier, so. Oh, wow. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, I just watching the game. I mean, obviously I can think of him shooting threes, but yeah. nine, that sounds like that's a ton. You know what? We should talk about that last play of uh regulation um in that Xavier game cuz I think we should not just brush over that. Um I think Xavier played that incredibly well with having two fouls to give. Um, it's kind of incredible that they had only fouled four times in the second half up to that point. And it's amazing that they had only fouled four times and Missouri had really won the half pretty dominantly. Right. So, um, but they used those fouls expertly. Yeah, I mean, they, did. they let some time run off the clock. Obviously, Missouri was going to hold for the last shot. So Xavier did not let them get any kind of rhythm there. Yeah. Uh, some, some time went off the clock. They would foul. Some time went off the clock. They fouled until there was just five seconds left. And so then you legitimately don't have a good opportunity to run your offense right. with only five seconds left. So I don't know if, obviously in hindsight, maybe Missouri should have been looking for a shot earlier, but you do want to make sure that you have the last shot. I mean, right. we always say in those situations, worst case scenario is overtime. Um, but I do want to credit Xavier for that. and. Uh, you just got to hope that that look for Mark Smith kind of falling away off balance for a three-pointer was not the primary target on that last possession. Yeah, and th there's really not many things to not like about Conzo Martin, but I think a pretty common knock on him is that Missouri has not been efficient out of timeouts uh, under his uh, his helm, I, I, with him at the helm, I guess. And that was just another example, and obviously that was a little bit different with the, with the foul situation. But, uh, yeah, it just didn't seem like Missouri had a – much of a plan and I don't know if they just didn't get the look they wanted or or if that was the plan and it just didn't they didn't execute it I don't I mean I guess that could have been what they wanted was Mark Smith in the corner but I don't know with I, the way that Drew and Xavier Pinson were getting to the rim in the second half and getting fouled or dunking or making a layup you've got to think that that would have been the primary option there and I think Xavier knew that and they were just like we're not going to let you just drive in here um, yeah we're going to foul you on the floor multiple times before we let that happen it would have been really interesting to see what would have happened if they had already committed seven fouls in the half yeah um or six but oh one more thing i wanted to add about the Xavier game that was a positive uh one thing i feel like that missouri is so much better at this year than last year is getting to the basket yes and i felt like last year all we did was just settle for threes and this year it looks like we're so much more equipped to get to the rim and with Drew Smith and Xavier Pinson doing that, it, it just actually felt like that's like our first priority is to get the ball inside. Yeah. And that just is so opposite from what last year was. Even when Tillman's not on the floor, right? they were still doing that. Obviously when he's on the floor, you're going to try to get it to him immediately and work the ball through the post. But uh, even when he was not in the game, they were still, they were just driving to set up kickouts or 
getting fouled or something like that. So yeah, that was definitely good to see. Switching back over to Wofford. I think we basically covered it um, as far as our preview goes for them. Um, I'm thinking that Missouri will win this game. I think they will do pretty well on offense, but for them, that's like 70, between 70 and 75 points. And I'd say they win this one by 12, something like. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. I, I Maybe I'll be a little pessimistic and, and say that uh, – Wofford will have one of those kind of like scary runs in the second half where they they you know bring it within like five or six points and where you start to get a little nervous, but Missouri pulls away late and wins by 12, 14 or so. Yeah, that seems to make sense. I think they uh, it'll be tough for Missouri to keep their streak of um, holding point holding opponents under uh, sixty in regulation, um, which is kind of remarkable that's actually even a thing well you know what's crazy is this year uh scoring all across the ncaa is way down yeah i think i saw that three-point shooting is way down as well yeah i saw where um this is an extreme example but it it goes it adds to our point here um teams scoring 35 or under 35 points in a game that's very very little Uh, i saw a tweet that showed like the last five or six years that happening all season the occurrences were like four five six in that range this year there's already been nine occurrences of teams scoring under 35 points wow two of those have been virginia Virginia opponents and they held them to 34 yep both of them twice that's incredible that is crazy nine times and we're like two weeks into the season yeah so if there's if anybody's keeping track of like a record that that at times that, that has happened, I'm sure they're on pace to destroy that record. Uh, next up after Missouri beats Wofford, they're going to have a chance to beat Moorhead State. Moorhead State's Kempom rating is 279 on offense; it's 245 on defense; 311. They are two and zero this year against Samford. And a non-division one opponent called Spalding. I think that might be like they went to like the Spalding basketball factory and like played a game against employees or something to test out <laughs> basketballs because they played Not, Spalding. Just non-D one. That's yeah. all. That's all we. Know I didn't want to take the time to find out if they're D two or whatever <laughs> in AIA or something. I just know they're not Division one because Ken Palm does not recognize them as a team. Uh, if you remember, Missouri beat Moorhead State last year by 14 points uh, at home. And um, I don't have a ton of analysis on Moorhead State here. They've got a trio of forwards who can score around the rim and then two guards that are pretty good facilitators in Justin Thomas and Jordan Walker. But when you look at uh, Ken Palm rating near 300, uh, this really shouldn't be much of a game. Missouri should win this by about 20. And it's another opportunity, even more so than the Wofford game, for the offense to get back on track. Yep. I mean, they should dominate. When Missouri has the ball, 
they should dominate every facet of the game. They should be moving the ball around with ease, dumping it down low with ease, scoring at every level, getting to the free throw line, all that stuff you want to see. You should definitely see it against Morehead State. I don't have much to add to that, honestly, that you uh, you nailed it. I think Missouri wins that by 20, 25 points. Okay. All right, Kyle, that was fun talking about basketball. Are you prepared to talk about football, or should we just end the show right now? <laughs> we might lose some listeners regardless, but I'm prepared. All right. So in case you didn't know, Missouri played Georgia this past weekend. They lost that game 27-0. to Of course, Kelly Bryant did not play, so we saw Taylor Powell and Connor Bazelak. Uh, I didn't really expect to see two different quarterbacks necessarily but no i was surprised to see Bazelak in there so missouri's now five and four they are two and three in the sec and uh, obviously you've got our recap sheet in front of you where i have typed out all of missouri's drives for the entire game let me go ahead and tell you what happened yeah please punt 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 interception punt punt that was the first half Second half, punt, 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 turnover on downs. <laughs> they only got past midfield once, I think, and that was when Bazelak was in the game at the end of the at the end of the game. Oh man! What, what do you what do you even say about a game like this? I mean, I, I think you happened? I think you picked them to score three points. Yeah, and that was when we didn't know if Kelly Bryant was going to play or not. I guess I was out of my mind, and I picked them to score 14 points. Um, I texted you really early on and said, if I knew Kelly Bryant wasn't playing, I may have predicted like 35-0. And I said, it's not, we both said, it's not outside the realm of possibility that this is a 35 nothing game. Right. I, I, I think I totally could have seen 35 to nothing. I could have totally seen, like you predicted, 28-14. Like I, I just, I didn't think Missouri would win, but... Uh, you know, uh, Georgia's offense doesn't necessarily blow you away. I think Jake Fromm had some really fantastic moments in this game where some of the throws he made are just perfect. And I, I just it's so beautiful to watch, like, the ball come off his hands. There's so much touch on the ball. And um, so he had some great moments. He had some not-so-great moments. And DeAndre Swift was just kind of there. Like, they just didn't really need to do that much to win. So yeah. I don't really think they pulled out all the stops or anything. But... Missouri's offense is the worst I've like ever seen it in ever. Yeah, I mean it reminds me that performance there reminded me of a few games in the 2012 season. Well, well they got shut out by Georgia in 2014. I was going to say well 2015 was the year that their defense was spectacular with like Kentel Kendrill Brothers. Yes, yes, yes. But that was like the Matty Mock into Drew Lock year. Right. And their offense was terrible. We lost to Vanderbilt that year. Yes. Um it it's it's reminiscent of that year where it was kind of like if our if our offense could score like a couple of times in a game we're going to like beat anybody. Right. Um yeah, I remember I actually attended the a home game against Florida. Yeah. That I think Missouri lost like thirteen to three or something yeah. like that. There was even worse finishes than that that season. Oh, yeah. I think we beat UConn. Barely. Like nine it was like nine to, to six. six. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I think we we lost to Georgia that year, like six to three or something ridiculous in Athens. 
So yeah, this these last few games have been very re- reminiscent of that horrible year that was 2015. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of 2012 when uh, uh, Corbin Burkstresser played for an injured uh, James Franklin. That was I remember a game too. against Florida there and a game against Vanderbilt there. That was some of the worst offense I've seen. Oof. Um. Yeah, uh, the defense played okay. I mean. They did the best they could. Yeah. I if think we had much of an score offense. was 13-0 at halftime. That sounds about right. And we we were actually driving the ball there at the end of the first half or towards the end of the first half, and that was when the interception came into play. Um, yeah, that was in the second quarter. So there was an opportunity there that was squandered. Uh, I don't know. I mean – I, I honestly don't have much to say about this game except maybe the only takeaway I really have uh, is that Bazelak looked really good. And yeah. uh, he, he looked, looked confident. He looked very confident. He looked very poised. Um, I don't know when he found out that he might play in this game, but it looked like that was not like, hey, you're going in right now. I mean, yeah. he, he looked like he was prepared mentally for that. And that was by far the most exciting thing that happened all game was just that, hey, we've got like a true freshman quarterback that looks like he can actually do something, and I'm excited about what he might do in the future. But um, just physically, he, he looks big. It looks like he's got a nice arm. And, uh, yeah, he just he looked much more confident in there than Powell did. There was a point earlier in the season where I saw on message boards and Twitter and things where people were legitimately thinking, and I probably would have agreed with them at the time, that – Missouri with Taylor Powell, this was we're probably talking about pre Kale Garrett injury. Uh, Missouri with Taylor Powell, do they still have a shot at winning the East? That was like a conversation. That was like a topic of conversation. Uh, a couple games, uh, like maybe three or four games into the season, before Kale Garrett's injury, and that may be the most disappointing thing for me about this game is the fact that a few weeks ago we would have just assumed. Okay, if Kelly Bryant's hurt, we've got two good running backs and a good offensive line. They're just going to pound the ball, and we'll still be able to manufacture some offense on the ground. And we've seen the last three weeks that is that is far from even a possibility at this point. Yeah, at, at this point, I think I have to assume that something has happened in the locker room because it is beyond all reason how bad they are. And it just, like... I mean, there's no push in the line. The running backs aren't getting anything. The quarterbacks can't complete a pass. The wide receivers can't catch a pass, even if it's right there in their hands. Can't get open before that. Literally nothing works. And I don't know that I've ever seen such a crazy just spiral out of control. Considering where we were four weeks ago, what on earth has happened? And I have absolutely no explanation. Besides something has happened that we don't know about or somebody's confidence is yeah. way gone. I mean, there were, there were always, I feel like, just a few red flags along the way where you're like, okay, obviously this isn't an elite offense. Sure. Um, but nothing that would have made you think that this is what was going to happen. No. So Missouri lost to Georgia. Pretty sure Georgia clinched a spot in the SEC championship. Mm-hmm. And they also climbed back into the top 20 or the top four the college football playoff top four yeah as of a couple days ago honestly and i mean we're about to talk about florida but 
if if this game if Kelly Bryant plays and he's not playing very well, I wouldn't mind to see Bays like get a few uh, series and on and I I don't think that I need to see Powell play anymore unless there's like an emergency honestly uh, because. Bazelak can't. I, I think he can still play four games and, and keep his red shirt. Why yeah. not get him some a few drives? Because I, I thought he did a really nice job. You're talking about if Kelly Bryant can't go in the Florida game. Yeah, or if even if Kelly Bryant is playing and, and yeah. he's not he's not effective gotcha. and we're losing by three touchdowns or whatever it is. Yeah, get Bazelak in. Well, there. I think I saw Barry Odom said if Kelly Bryant doesn't play, they plan on using. Powell and Bazelak. Gotcha. That is the plan. If Kelly Bryant doesn't play, I wouldn't be. I would be perfectly fine with Bazelak playing the whole game. Yeah, I can't blame you there. I mean, why not? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so talking about Florida, Florida is eight and two, five and two in the SEC. Just basically the main contender for that number two spot behind Georgia. Their only losses this season were to LSU and Georgia. So a really fantastic rev- resume for someone that's not going to play in a conference championship game. Uh, they have wins over, you know, the, the, the rest of the East so far, as well as Auburn. So another little feather in their cap there. Um, obviously, they started the season with Felipe Franks at quarterback. And we've talked on this podcast before about we how we were not ever scared of Felipe Franks. And we were kind of fine with him as the Florida quarterback, but of course Kyle Trask comes in and just plays incredibly well. Um, 2,000 yards so far this season on just under 70% completion percentage, 19 touchdowns and six interceptions. It blows my mind that Felipe Franks was the quarterback of this team for as long as he was. I was actually looking at their stats and it will definitely surprise you that in, like, obviously they were probably, I don't know who Florida played at the very beginning of the season. when Miami. Well, okay, so he was completing like 76% of his passes uh, this season before he got injured. I'm going to I'm gonna pull up their stats just to make sure that's right. Yeah, that Felipe Franks. Definitely surprises me. 76%, but five touchdowns, three interceptions hmm. with 71 attempts. Yeah, I wasn't going to be upset if they decided to try to bring him back whenever he was no. healthy. I don't yeah. know how you could possibly could do that, but. And then uh, they've got a really good running back in LaMichael Pirine. I mean. Well, with a decent quarterback, I mean, Florida's a legit, really good team. I always felt like in the past few years and even at the beginning of this year, I could never buy in on Florida really actually doing anything because it always felt like their offense was so easily deflatable without a quarterback and it's like they had really great pieces on defense and they had had a good defense for the last uh, 30 years oh yeah they're always good on defense but i just could never take them seriously and it always just felt like mizzou somehow played really well against them and so i just kind of like it had this bias that florida just doesn't scare me but with a good quarterback they definitely scare me yeah i mean they they've been racking up wins last few years and their offense is still not amazing. Their defense is top 15 in about every ranking you can find. And that's, like I said, been the case for a long time now. Um, but, of course, it is Florida. So they're, they're, they're going to have really highly rated recruits. And unlike Tennessee, um, those guys actually show up. You know, we've talked about how Tennessee has 
decent recruit recruiting classes for like last 10 years and they never show up on game days maybe maybe that's starting to turn around but uh, florida has never really had that problem their incredible athletes continue to be incredible athletes once they get to college and a lot of times that's all it takes is just have better players and even with a questionable offense at times they just win a lot of games and i have obviously no confidence in missouri's offense i think their defense can put up a pretty good fight again but uh, unless kale garrett uh walks out with the team and is going to score some defensive touchdowns or drew lock for the offense <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think those, both of those things are about as likely exactly um don't remember what i was going to say oh now i remembered that okay all of these horrible games we've witnessed in the last three weeks have all been on the road. Do you think that them playing at home this week has any effect? I mean, I would love to say that, yeah, they're, I mean, that's all it is. They I mean, I'm, I'm not saying they're going to come home and win the game, yeah, but like, I, do you think that has anything to do with their confidence or how they perform? If maybe, I don't know. I think it's gone too bad for too long now, three weeks in a row. It's kind of a long time, and you are – Obviously, the players and coaching staff, they're seeing the, just the absolute deflation in the fan base. And that's not something you can just get back just because you're going home. I mean, they may this they may go home and see a sparse crowd on a on an early kickoff and on CBS. Yeah. And they that may be even worse. The fact that last time they were in that stadium, it was loud and and full and now they're going to come back and it's going to be pretty quiet and i don't know it's going to be i think a florida player had remarked that it was quiet when they were on defense and i think it's going to be quiet when missouri's on defense this week it's kind of sad we only get like you know 50 tries at this guys until i'm like dead so can we have like a good season sometime <laughs> <laughs> i was talking to uh, i was telling my wife about I, for some reason, oh, I was in Indiana uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was cool to see Pacers stuff. You know, like I'm in Indianapolis, I'm seeing Pacers billboards and stuff, and that it just, just you see Mizzou stuff in Missouri all the time, and my team in the NBA is the Pacers. So when I see that, I was like, oh yeah, that's my team, that's really cool. And so I was telling her, you know, how uh, the Pacers have been the last ten years or so, and I said, that being a Pacers fan is a lot like being a Missouri fan, even when things go well. It's never going to end well. They're, they're just not, for all intents and purposes, they're not going to win the championship. So when the Pacers got to the Eastern Conference Finals, of course they had to play LeBron, and they were just never going to beat LeBron. Of course when Missouri wins double-digit games, they're not going to win the SEC championship and go play for the national title. Are you kidding me? It's like even when there's a good season, it's still not going to end well. All right, roll that's, the credits. That's, that's the, the end of the show. That's my Mizzou fatalism speech. Wow, that for today. was literally the most devastatingly depressing thing I've ever heard in my life. But you're right, unfortunately. <laughs> All right, what's your prediction for Florida? I'll go ahead and say, with Kelly Bryant back at home, Missouri's offense is going to find some semblance of success. And for the second week in a row, I'm going to predict 28 to 14 loss I'll go 34 to 10 Florida I just want to see a score like yeah I just I just want to see the offense function again yeah that would 
even if we don't win this game, it would like give me just something to if be. They, if they kick a field goal, like on fourth and less than five before scoring a touchdown in this game, if they attempt a field goal, I will be legitimately upset. What if it's zero to zero on their first drive? They've got fourth and four for a thirty-yard field goal. Almost, well, you got Tucker McCann. Almost automatic three points in a clo- uh, in a at the beginning of the game. You have no idea in how the that, game's going to go. In that situation, I would be okay with either decision. <laughs> okay. I I honestly, I, I know what you're saying. I didn't take into account the fact that Missouri that that this game is going to be tied zero zero at one point. <laughs> I just assumed <laughs> that Missouri was losing. Never going to be a, a game yeah. at any point. Okay. So if they're if they're down by seven or more, and attempt a field goal. I will be upset. Okay. Before scoring a touchdown. That. Yeah. What if they... Gotta get in the end zone. Okay, never mind. No, let's just, hear it. It's going to be... Oh, I was going to say, what if they got fourth and four? Okay, we'll say fourth and three on Florida's 45-yard line. You punting? Uh, zero no. to zero. Zero, zero? No. Let's go score. We're scoring. Yes. Okay. Let's get in the end zone. What they would probably do is go for it, convert then end up in fourth and seven on the 20-yard line and And have to kick a field goal. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, We're both predicting losses for the second week in a row. Isn't that fun? Moving on to the college football playoff pick-em-something game. We all picked a squad of four teams that we thought had a chance to be in the college football playoff. It's been kind of a roller coaster so far. My team consists of number one, LSU, number three, Clemson, number eight, Minnesota, number 13, Baylor, number eight, Minnesota. I don't think that Minnesota will make the wow. playoff, but that was, that was a nice pick. That was oh, a nice pick you. last week. I had a good feeling about that. Am I going to hold on to Baylor and see if they beat Oklahoma? We'll see. Kyle has number four, Georgia, number five, Alabama, number six, Oregon, number nine, Penn State. P- producer, producer Cameron. With number two, Ohio State, number 10, Oklahoma, number 11, Florida, number 12, Auburn. So who are we missing here that's in the top 12? Utah. Utah, wow. I picked them in my original like draft of this of our four teams. Will, will everything come full circle for Kyle? We'll have to go back to our first yeah. list and see how we did. I will be curious most of all to see if any of us if any of the teams that actually make the final four changed hands at any point so far it's looking like not yeah Uh, i don't think so but that's one thing to keep an eye on uh do you guys have any idea who should be able to change their team out first it's going to be producer cameron i'll do nothing Okay. Producer Cameron with the average rank of 8.75 is going to hold on to Florida and Auburn. Sure you don't want Utah? Yeah. Okay, Okay, give me Utah. Oh, Kyle wants Utah. Who are you getting rid of? Penn State. So going with two Pac-12 teams, Oregon and Utah. Oh, that's so dumb. (laughs) (laughs) What an idiot. (laughs) But what's done is done. Well, done is done at least and neither I mean, one of those teams are getting in anyway, so it doesn't matter. Well, but one might get ranked pretty decent. Yeah. So if if, uh, if one of them if is we, probably going to win the Pac-12 championship, yeah. so 
Well, I'll just nail that, won't I? If we all end up with only one team in the top four, Which then the tiebreaker. But <sighs> okay, thanks for bringing logic and reason <laughs> into this podcast. I mean, if you Are guys, guys want to strategizing about this, if two of us end up with two teams in the top four, then the average ranking will be the tiebreaker. Okay, of all four teams. Good to know. Let's go, Utah. You're right. It's possible. In theory. In theory. It's not going to happen, though. Realistically, no. Somebody would have to make a really big mistake. Actually, all three of us would. Kind of like I just did. No, it would be much worse than that. (laughs) All right, so Kyle is switching out Penn State for Utah. Um, I'm going to... Oh, man, that's interesting. I know. I just want to see what happens next week. There's a couple that I want to see what happens. So next week, if I don't if I don't do anything right now, then you, producer Cameron, still have the first option. Yes. Week. You want to know who people play? I know that Baylor plays Oklahoma. And Penn State plays Indiana. So that won't really help anything. If Baylor beats Oklahoma, you will. Yes. Maybe probably switch those two immediately. No, but not if I have Baylor. But if they don't, obviously you'll take them. Um, and then you would just take Penn State instead. I'm yeah. just gonna stay with what I got. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay with that's what I got. kind of what I was feeling. Yeah. No, no, re- no reason this week for yeah. anyone to do anything crazy. No. Right, right, right. But it might get wild. No reason to s- s- get rid of a top ten team. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm not going to read all the teams again. Cool. Cool. Kyle switched out Penn State for Utah. Now, if... Yes? After the regular season, Minnesota wins out, where do you think they are? Minnesota wins out, but they haven't played the conference championship game yet? They have not. Because I honestly, honestly, I don't know if they'll beat Ohio State, but... I mean, they probably wouldn't, but going into that game, I would say they'll be... Five, yeah. Because these other teams got to beat each other up still. Yeah, these SEC teams. Well, yeah, that would that would be a conference championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They're. I mean, Minnesota can definitely still get in, but so can Penn State, Oklahoma. Yeah. Well, Baylor. There's a chance Penn State might not even play in the conference championship. So true. They need a lot of help. All right, what a what a fun because they're in the same they're on the same side as Ohio State, so they'll have to beat Ohio State in two weeks. Oh, in order to do that. Well, they still control their own destiny then. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, Kyle, you ready to pick some games? Oh yeah. So we traded upsets last week. Uh, this, of course, is SEC Pick'em Plus Nebraska. Uh, we traded upsets last week. I picked Western Kentucky to beat Arkansas, and they came through. You picked Appalachian State over South Carolina, and they came through. Not have, a great week for the SEC. Did you happen to see how that game ended, by the way? No. South Carolina had a wide-open wide receiver in the end zone, and he just dropped the pass. I saw. <laughs> I, I actually did see that. That's so bad. Um, It was kind of a bad pass, though. Right. It wasn't like an amazing – like, he yeah. still kind of had to – I don't remember exactly what it looked like. I, I just, think the I, – I would – I think I'm remembering the replay correctly. I think I would fault the pass. Okay. Not that's fine. You can still – yeah. But he was still wide But open. he still should have – 
They should have completed the pass. For sure. Producer Cameron, while we while Kyle and I pick games, can you pull up the last play of Appalachian State versus South Carolina? And just let I just whenever you got it after you watch it, let's hear your analysis of it. So Kyle, we both picked Tennessee to upset Kentucky, and that came to fruition. And then I got two points because my LSU Tigers beat your Alabama Red Elephants. That was a good game. Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't mind seeing it again, but that's not gonna happen. <laughs> uh, I guess it could happen if they're both in the college football playoff, but it still seems crazy that an SEC team could get in without playing in the conference championship. Oh, I thought you meant like watching the same game again because you just love college football. No, you're like watching no, no, the replay. No, no. That's what I thought you meant by that. I want to lie. I want a feed of Mizzou basketball all the time. That's true. Projecting into my eyelids, not college <laughs> LSU, football. Alabama. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of Alabama, they are number five. And they are an 18-point road favorite at Mississippi State. They're going to win. I would agree. And now uh, one of Kyle's most hated teams, the Kentucky Wildcats, is also a road favorite. They are a 10-point favorite at Vanderbilt. They're going to win. I guess I'm going to agree again. Kentucky, that is. Uh, here's a tough one for you. Number one, LSU at Ole Miss. Another road favorite. The Tigers, a 21-point favorite on the road. And they're going to win. I'll agree with you there. Uh, side note, this uh, work convention that I just went to in Savannah, they announced that two years from now, it's going to be in Baton Rouge. Wow. Have you been there before? No. It's a really awesome place. I looked quickly at the Mizzou future schedules, even though I knew if I thought about it for two seconds, I would know that the next time Missouri plays LSU will be in Columbia, but they don't play each other next year. Yeah, I watched uh, two years. From I now. watched that game a few years ago. I think it was 2016. And I Baton famously predicted a Mizzou win going into that game. You did? Yeah, on That's Twitter. That's horribly embarrassing. You said uh, the Missouri Sports Podcast, before it was even known as that, uh, Twitter account retweeted it said, <laughs> heard it here first. Oh, God. And... It yeah. didn't happen. No. But Baton Rouge is still awesome, and they have amazing food. And I'm excited. Yeah, it's a cool place. If it works out, if LSU's playing at home that weekend, I may try to just go see Might a game. Might as well, no matter who they're playing. Yeah. They're going to have 100,000 people there. Right. Moving on, uh, we're still picking games. We have South Carolina at Texas A&M. Texas A&M, a 10.5-point favorite at home. Uh, this South Carolina team, of course, coming off uh, upset loss to Appalachian State. What do you think, Kyle? I'm going to go A&M. Well, this is boring, but I'm going to agree with you. Uh, let's see if we can maybe pick different teams. Uh, number four, Georgia. Two and a half point favorite. Man, this is the week of the road favorites. Uh, two and a half point favorite at Auburn. Auburn is ranked 12th. You know, this is a, a good opportunity for those upset points. Um, being only a two and a half point favorite, but I'm, I'm going to have i got to pick Georgia here. I think they just have more to play for right now than Auburn does. And I think they're a better team also. That That is significant. So it's not just the intangibles? Not just. Uh, but they are, so they are a player. How boring. I'm just going to agree with you again. Okay. All right. This one is really going to mix things up because we have number 14, Wisconsin, a 14-point favorite at Nebraska. 
You really think that one of one of us is going to pick Nebraska in this game? No. Okay. I'm picking Wisconsin. I'm picking Wisconsin. <laughs> wow. Is that the first time that's ever happened where we picked every all the same teams? I I every, feel like it's prob- it probably happened at some point last year. I think I actually remember us all picking the same teams at one point last year and then like two of them losing. Because it was like, well, it's a pretty straightforward week and then nope. Yeah, I feel so, like we're going to miss a game or two. Yeah, I so don't... now probably Auburn and South Carolina are both going to win or something weird. Yeah. Or I, like, Auburn and Vanderbilt. Definitely not Nebraska. I honestly just can't even imagine a scenario. Like maybe a- South Carolina being an A&M. That's probably like the most likely of any of these. Auburn could be could be. Georgia. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess. That's what Vegas thinks. Vegas yeah. thinks that'll be the closest game. Yeah. Producer Cameron, were you able to watch the end of that game? Yeah. What do you think? None of them have a slow motion replay of the last play. You needed slow motion? What am I supposed to be looking at? <laughs> was South Carolina and fault? Appalachian State. Yeah. Was it the quarterback's fault for a bad pass? Well, should the should the wide receiver have caught it? Like what on a scale of one to ten, how painful is this? Maybe I'm misremembering. No, I don't think you are. It's like laying out for it out of bounds. Yeah. That should pass? that have been a completed pass he's wide open Correct. yeah i mean you you got the whole corner of the end zone to work with no one's over there okay so you're agreeing with us so whose fault was it that that was not completed do you think seems like the quarterback could okay. could the wide receiver have caught it potentially okay that doesn't mean it's his fault i th- i think i still agree it's quarterback's fault i think we're all in agreement there i thought you fault. i thought you said that it was the wide receiver's fault no i'm just saying that the court, the wide receiver probably could have caught it, but it's still the quarterback's fault. Okay, There's and I'm saying that anyway. It's oh yeah. What you say? So it would, even if he catches, even the, if he it caught it, there was a flag. Okay, we'll get out of here with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that's it for this week. We we got through a lot. Yeah, we were just flew through that. Yeah, I think I got everything out that I wanted. It wasn't to wasn't much out. to talk about with football. True. Maybe next week we'll have something more exciting to talk about with football. Yeah, like and if they're going to lose out. Well, how would that be exciting? Well, what, <laughs> what is, I'm trying to imagine something that we would talk about. All right. Well, hopefully we'll have two basketball wins to talk about. That sounds much better. All right. Well, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We're on Twitter at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports pod at gmail.com and you can find me on twitter at c underscore albert 08 thank you everyone for listening we will see you next week after two wins in basketball <laughs> not football <laughs> two total wins two total wins between exactly. both sports yes <laughs> <laughs>